Hmm. Thank you all. <clears throat> but a thank you for that gracious uh, introduction, Lee. And, you know, it just made me realize how so many people have uh, built into my life uh, in the gospel, built their lives into mine. And, and part of what I hope to do this morning is just to return the favor um, and to share uh, the gospel with you this morning. Um, I know this is a, a time of transition for you, and transitions are always challenging. They can be uh, very difficult. Uh, and I've been through a few transitions myself over the years, so I want you to know how much my heart uh, is with you. And I do want to issue one disclaimer before we begin. Uh, I, I, I appreciate your prayers. I need them. I'm having uh, trouble with my eyes. And uh, it, of course, it's a Sunday morning, so it flares up, right? So please, if, it, if you think I'm winking at you, I'm not, okay? So, so I'd like to begin by calling your attention to, of all things, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. Uh, you've seen it, uh, at least in pictures. Some of you may have been there. Uh, if you've ever been on Facegram, uh, Facebook or Instagram, uh, you've seen a picture of someone uh, standing next to it or in front of it, and they've got an arm or a leg extended, you know, like they're holding it up. <laughs> that tower is located in the city of Pisa in Italy. And there's been some debate in recent years about who designed it. Whoever designed it, you can be sure that the leaning aspect was not part of the original blueprint. Uh, I'm sure that the, the architect intended for it to just to stand up straight the way that towers should. It's interesting to note that the original designer, whoever it was, did not live to see its completion. Now that's because from the day they broke ground to the proverbial ribbon-cutting ceremony, how long do you think it took to build that tower? It took 199 years to build that tower, 199 years. Wow. Uh, it's amazing that it took so long, especially when you consider how long it took to build some other historical monuments. Uh, the Roman Colosseum was built in about 10 years. Uh, the Great Pyramid in Egypt took about 20 years. Buckingham Palace took about 23 years. So it's surprising that a building that doesn't quite stand up straight took 199 years to finish. That's what you call a work in progress. A work in progress. Just imagine the number of laborers who spent their entire lives on that project and never got to see it completed. I wonder how many of them said at one time or another, is it just my imagination or is this tower slightly leaning? <laughs> So you can tell, I find the leaning aspect of the tower fascinating. And it's amazing to me that it's, it's still standing after 850 years. But what really fascinates me is that 199 years construction part, <laughs> that work in progress. I'm sure that at some time or another in your daily commute to work or school or running errands, you've probably seen a building or two under construction. 
Uh, we passed several on our way between our home and this building uh, this morning. And every day you look at them, you can see the progress being made, the frame, the walls, the windows, the exterior. And sure enough, uh, you know, a few months later, several months later, it's the grand opening of a new dollar store or an apartment building or something else that we really need, right? Whatever it may be. But it goes up quickly enough that you can actually see the progress. And here's my point, Trinity Church. The process of growing up into the fullness of Jesus as an individual and as a church body uh, is more like the construction of the Leaning Tower of Pisa than it is like all those other construction projects we see around us. It doesn't happen as quickly as we want. Sometimes it seems like the work will never be finished. A self-help writer, Regina Brett, describes people who are a work in progress. These are her words. A work in progress without the progress. You're with me? A work in progress without the progress. Now, we've all known folks who fit that label. Don't poke your neighbor, please. Honestly, I have to tell you, I feel like that label fits me many, many times in my life and my ministry, that I'm a work in progress, and where's the progress, right? You know, if you're a work in progress without the progress, then you're just a piece of work. <laughs> Sometimes I, just, I feel like I'm just a piece of work, right? So if you've ever felt that way, you know, that you're a work in progress, but where's the progress? Or you maybe have felt that way about your life, your family, or your church. If you have, do not despair. Do not despair. We don't always see spiritual progress in our lives as much as we would like to see it. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I have good news for you. Uh, the building that God is working on in you, it will be completed. And wonder of wonders, it will pass divine inspection. And it will stand forever and ever. <laughs> so you and the church of Jesus Christ that you are part of will last forever. The title of my message today for this, this season of transition that you are in as a church is simply this, a work in progress. A work in progress, that's what we are. That's what we are from day one to this day to the last day. A work in progress, amen? Amen. So today we'll look at a passage of scripture that talks about this very idea. It's the first chapter of the Apostle Paul's first letter to the church in the city of Corinth. Now, Corinth was a key city of commerce and tourism, just like around here in the Philadelphia area. It was also a city that was filled with idolatry and an anything-goes approach to morality, kind of like around here, right? This attitude found its way into the church and created no small amount of trouble for the believers there, just like it is in churches around here. So the church in Corinth was in some ways a church in disarray. It was a church in need of direction 
in need of correction. And at times, you know, you read the letter and Paul speaks to them in a rather harsh drill sergeant manner. You know, shape up or ship out. And you're like, aye, aye, okay. At other times, he speaks to them gently as a tender father with great encouragement and words of hope. And that's because this good body of believers who at times seem to be not so good, well, they were still God's redeemed people, just like we are. So Paul wrote the Corinthians a kind of good news for the not-so-good letter. Good news for the not-so-good. Now, that's a letter that speaks to my heart. That's a letter that I need. How about you? I'm still a work in progress. You're still a work in progress. Trinity Church is still a work in progress. So this means that Paul's words to the Corinthians apply to us today, right here, right now, and especially, I think, in a season of transition. So I want to bring you uh, good news today, words of hope and encouragement for moving into the future that God has for you. I think this is very important in our lives and in our ministries because so many times we feel stuck, don't we? We feel like we somehow got into a rut and we're, we just feel stuck. But that's not the end of the matter when God is in it. So let's read our text for today. Uh, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. 1 Corinthians 1, 1 through 9. Please follow along as I read. This is the word of God. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people, together with all those everywhere who call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, with all kinds of speech and with all knowledge, God thus confirming our testimony about Christ among you. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ to be revealed. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Word of God. I want us to see three aspects of the work in progress that God is doing in you, if you are in Christ. These are what I call little gospel nuggets that have become precious to me in my own life and in my ministry over the years. And here's the first one. You have been given the holiness you do not yet have. You, do, you have been given the holiness you do not yet have. Now we have to chew on that for a little bit, don't we? After introducing himself in verse 1, Paul addresses his letter in verse 2 to those sanctified in Christ Jesus and called to be his holy people. 
The word sanctified, that's one of those $5 words. Uh, What does it mean? It means set apart for a special purpose. Or you could say made holy for a special purpose. And what is that special purpose? It's that we become like Jesus who has saved us. We've been set apart in Christ at our salvation. And we've been set apart unto God to become the holy people we were called and intended to be. Now, I want you to notice a big distinction here. 1 Thessalonians 5, verse 23, is a prayer. And it prays, may the God of peace sanctify you completely. So that's a future focus. It's looking to the future. God God will sanctify you completely one day. We're praying this. But in 1 Corinthians 1, the text we read in verse 2, that already told us we have already been sanctified in Christ Jesus. That's past. That's a past focus. So past, future, we will be sanctified completely. We have been sanctified. Well, which is it? Which is it? What's the answer? The answer is yes. (laughs) Both are true. We have been sanctified. Think about this when you feel stuck. We have been sanctified in terms of where we stand with God in Jesus Christ so that we may become sanctified in terms of what our lives are like as we walk with Jesus. So we're set apart We belong to God. We've been saved when we trusted in Christ so that we could begin to live that way on the way home to glory. We we walk out the Christian life becoming holy, more like Jesus, more like Jesus. So if you are in Christ, holiness means standing secure in where you are, where God has put you, forgiven and free in Jesus Christ, and bear, beginning to grow and bear fruit in him. Those are both part of your sanctification. So to say that God has given us the holiness we do not yet have is like saying that God has given us a title we have not yet attained. And that may sound a little strange. Imagine calling someone the heavyweight champion of the world before he ever steps into the ring. Or imagine naming a a student the senior class valedictorian on her first day of kindergarten. (laughs) God has made you holy (laughs) by his mere word of salvation, the work of Christ in which you have trusted, so that you may become holy in all you do. Let's never forget that that's a process. You're a work in progress as a person and as a church. Every church is. And sometimes, can we talk? Can we be honest? Sometimes we don't live up to the calling we've been given. Have you ever experienced that? Sometimes we don't live up to the calling that we've been given. Now think of Charles III as an example. We always knew him as Prince Charles the heir to the throne of England. And that didn't change even when he, let's just say, didn't act so kingly at times. 
But he was still destined, he was going to, he had that title. He was still destined to become the king he now is after the death of his mother, Elizabeth. God has a, a royal calling on you, on your life. And he won't revoke it. He won't take it back. He won't change his mind. The Father gave you the holiness of King Jesus by uniting you to him through faith. And the Spirit of God will grow you in holiness as you follow King Jesus. So your, your royalty, your royals, right? Child of the King. The Father says to you, my son, my daughter. If you've lived a while, you know that holiness does not flourish easily in this world. The world is not crazy about holiness. The world is angry about holiness. Look what they did to Jesus. What will they do to those who follow him? But God will get you holy, and he will get you all the way home. So keep this in mind. Even though you have not yet attained the title you have been given in Christ, remember that you are a work in progress. God is working. God is not finished with you yet. And to get there, here's a second gospel nugget that I want you to see. If you are in Christ, you have been given all the gifts you will ever need. You have been given all the gifts you will ever need. And they will come to you at just the right time, what you need, when you need it. Back to our text, uh, verse 4. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. For in him you have been enriched in every way, in all your speaking, in all your knowledge. Verse 7. Therefore you do not lack any spiritual gift as you eagerly wait for our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is saying you can be sure God will give you whatever you need when you need it. In Philippians 4, verse 19, Paul says it like this, And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So this is a promise that God will give you what you need in the moment you need it, in this season when you need it. He will give you the direction you need. He will give you the wisdom you need. He will give you the strength you need. He will give you the courage you need. He will give you the grace you need. He will give you the forgiveness you need. He will give you the mercy you need in that moment, in this season. And I know... Trust me, I know. Sometimes you're tempted to say, as, as I too am tempted to say, I'm not sure I have what it takes to do what God is calling me to do. I'm not sure I have what it takes to be the person God wants me to be. And you would be right. And you would be wrong. <laughs> you do have what it takes. Oh, not in yourself. Not in ourselves in any way, not in our own strength, but in his strength at work in us. So this is the heart of what the Apostle Paul wanted the believers in Corinth to understand. Even though there was a bit of a disconnect between their calling 
and their condition. Uh, any of you ever felt a disconnect between your calling in Christ and your, your current condition? <laughs> or is it just me? Wow, do we experience that. They were still a work in progress. And what was going to make the difference is that they were still his work in progress. It wasn't their work in progress. It was God's work in progress in them, through them, just like us. That's, that gives us hope. And this process may be taking longer than you want. At times you don't see anything happening. At times you feel stuck. But this brings me to the third and final little gospel nugget that I want to share with you today for your encouragement moving forward today. If you are in Christ, you have been given the victory you cannot yet see. You have been given the victory you cannot yet see. Look back at verse 8. We saw this earlier in the service. He will also keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful who has called you into fellowship with his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. So think again about the process involved in building that leaning tower of Pisa. Construction begins in August of 1173 when the foundation is laid. Zoom forward a hundred years. The tower is still not finished. It's barely halfway done. It looks like it will never be done. But just wait. Just wait. It will be done. And when it is, what do you know? It will be magnificent, and it will be unique, and people will come from all over the world just to experience it. And that's an illustration of what Jesus does. You know, Jesus is amazing, and people are coming from all nations to be part of what Jesus is doing, even though in the eyes of the world it, it looks a little off at some times, Right? I mean, think about the ministry of Jesus. As Jesus' ministry on earth was coming to a close, things started, it just seemed like they were unraveling. It was unraveling for him and this band of, of disciples, the, the, this unschooled, you know, uneducated band of you know, ragtag ruffians, you know, the, the outcasts that were following him around. I mean, it didn't look like it was going anywhere. It was falling apart. It was unraveling. He became a political and religious target. Every effort was made to sabotage his work, turn the tide of public opinion against him. He was betrayed by a close friend, arrested, beaten, ridiculed, and abandoned by nearly all. As he was led to his death, death a criminal's death on a Roman cross, a death that was unspeakably uh, painful and unspeakably shameful. Uh, he did not seem in that moment to be the conquering hero. He did not appear to be the king of kings and the lord of lords. He seemed to be more like a misguided martyr. <laughs> but nothing could be further from the truth because it had already been determined even before the foundation of the world, 
that the grave could not contain him, that he would rise victorious over sin and death, that that cross would not be the, the last word on him, and he would rise and reign forever and ever and ever. So, so his was a victory that could not be seen in that moment. But it was as real as real could be. We wouldn't be here today if it weren't. <laughs> and I want you to know today that his victory has paved the way and sealed your victory because your victory will come in him. In him. Today you may feel that you will never get there. Maybe you're having a difficult day. Maybe it's a difficult season. But I want you to know that God has given you a victory that you cannot yet see. And it's more real than all the things around you that you do see. And he's going to bring his work in you to a beautiful completion. <laughs> and this is why Paul said in verse 8, He will keep you firm to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. The day of our Lord Jesus Christ. There is a day coming that will be very different from that day on the cross. You know, there's going to be a day when the heavens are going to be ripped open <laughs> and every eye is going to see Jesus glorious, returning, reigning as king. That's going to be the day of our, our Lord Jesus Christ. And, and his victory will be undeniable at that point. And that's a day when our hearts, we who trust in Jesus, I mean, we're gonna, our, our hearts are going to cry out, I'm with him. <laughs> I'm with Jesus. You know, he's my savior. <laughs> he's my hope. He's my Lord. I've been waiting to see him my whole life. And so the day of victory of our Lord Jesus Christ is a day of victory for you who follow him. It's coming. It's coming. It's coming. And that, that phrase, firm to the end, you know what that means? That means that God is committed to you all the way. God is committed to you every day all the way. Firm to the end means that Jesus will sustain you no matter what. <laughs> he will empower you. He will equip you. And when he needs to, he will carry you. God will finish what he began in you, even if it seems to take forever. And by the way, it's going to take your whole life. <laughs> this process may not be obvious to others around you. At times, it's not going to be obvious to you either. But God promises to make it happen from start to finish. Even if sometimes he has to drag you kicking and screaming along the way, uh, you know, no amount of fussing will stop him. He will get it done. That leaning tower of Pisa took 199 years to finish. By then it was obvious to everybody it was leaning a full five degrees off center that looked like it would fall at any moment. And the leaning aspect of the tower of Pisa could be considered a defect. What went wrong with that, right? But I would submit to you that it could also be considered an architectural wonder, an architectural miracle, because a leaning building should fall. But this one has not, and according to the experts, it probably never will. 
And so the tilt has become instead a, a fascinating feature that makes it unique. Now, you and me, we lean a bit too, don't we? You know, we're not all that level. We're not all that squared away. <laughs> That's what sin and brokenness do to us in this fallen world. We're just, we're just a little off, right? In fact, we are quite easily susceptible to falling, except, <laughs> now stay with me, except for the spiritual architectural wonder of the saving and sustaining work of Jesus Christ in our lives. So my word to you is lean on Jesus. <laughs> Don't be afraid that you're leaning. Just, just be sure you're leaning on Jesus, all right? <laughs> You'll be all right. You know, lean on Jesus. Lean into him with all your weight. He can, he can bear it. With all that weighs you down, with, with everything that's pulling you down, lean hard into Jesus. Yes, we all lean a bit in this fallen world. But when we lean into Jesus, when we're yielding fully to him, we're resting in him, we're counting on him, we're trusting in him, he will sustain us and hold us up. It's in our weakness that his strength is made perfect, that his grace is found to be more than sufficient. So we need to learn to glory in our weakness, something that none of us enjoy. We don't want any weakness, we don't, and we're not going to glory in it. Well, then we're not going to see the strength of God because God says, here's the way I work. I make my strength perfect in your weakness. This is why Paul says that. We need to learn to glory in our weakness because we're, we end up glorying in the power of God in Jesus Christ. That his power may rest on our lives and on your church. Just remember, as, you, as you're leaning, in Christ you have been given holiness. You've been given gifts. You've been given a victory. You've been given so much in Christ. You know, it's, it's like wave after wave after wave of grace. It's like the, the waves of the sea just crashing on the shore. They keep coming, they keep coming, they keep crashing, they never stop. So is the grace of God washing, just pounding, uh, just pouring over our lives, into our lives. Such grace. Such grace. Of course, all this presupposes that you are in Christ. A work in progress needs a starting point, and Jesus Christ is that starting point. I commend him to you. Do you know for certain that you yourself are in Christ? Have you honestly admitted your sin to him, owning it all the way without excuses? That's the hard part, because you and I, as sinful people, we are excuse-making machines. This is what we do. Have we owned up to our sin? Have you turned from your sin to trust in this Jesus as the Savior you need? Not a generic Savior, but a personal Savior, yours. Disowning your sin, owning Jesus instead. Who's the boss of you? That's always a good question. Who's the boss of you? Is it you? Is it somebody else? Or is it Jesus? Is Jesus? That's another, it's another word for Lord. Boss, he's the boss of you, the Lord of all you are and say and think and do. And when, he, when you don't act that way, what do you do? Do you run away? 
Or do you turn to Jesus and say, forgive me, I've done it again. Forgive me for what I did. Forgive me what I fa- for what I failed to do, Lord. Well, if so, you are in Christ. And that's cause for great rejoicing. Praise God. United to Jesus. That's what counts. United to Jesus through faith. United to his saving work on the cross. United to his resurrection victory out of the grave over death and sin and hell. That's a great new life that you have in Christ. Now, some of you who are here today, you you may need to make those moves in your own life. And maybe it's something you've been thinking about. You're here at Trinity. You're listening. You're learning. And that's such a good thing. I'm so glad that you're here. But now, it may be the time for you to make your move from just belonging, just belonging more or less anonymously, kind of around the edges, in the shadows here at Trinity Church, and moving from just belonging to, to now believing, now believing in Jesus for yourself. You know, coming out in the open, you know. Come out, come out wherever you are. Come out, come to Jesus and trust him as your Savior. Follow him as your Lord. And then you know what you find when you do that? You, you, you find a brand new future opening up for you as you are always becoming more and more the person God created you and saved you to be in Christ. So Trinity Church, put Jesus at the center of your life, your ministry, and keep him there. Drifting is a constant risk. It's always a danger for every believer and every church. So let Jesus lead the way into the future he has mapped out for you. Uh, You will never find it without him. (laughs) But with him, you can't miss it. So my friends, uh, here's to a future of growing in knowing Jesus and making him known to others who need to know him too, just as we do. Growing in his truth, growing in his grace until we see him face to face. Amen? Amen. Amen. I'm going to ask Jen to come up and lead us in prayer. All right, let us pray. Gracious and present Father, we here at Trinity are before you as a deeply needy people. We, Lord, are easily seduced by hopelessness, and in our own fear and impatience, we exalt our own wisdom, and we become lost in frustration. Yet we thank you that you speak to us through your word this morning, and that you assure us that every gift we have ever needed or will ever need has been given in you. I pray that we would be reminded that within ourselves we have absolutely nothing, and yet in you your work is sure and glorious and eternal. Lord, we pray that you would teach us what it means to live up to this very high calling that we could never meet without you. 
that our ultimate destiny is as truly, completely holy people. Help us to bear fruit according to your character and in your name, and teach us to stand secure as we lean and fall against you in the midst of our drifting and failures. Thank you that because of you, we will never fall forever. And we pray um, that we would know the victory that's yet to be fully revealed on that day when those of us who have been set apart, as Pastor John has said, will look and say, it's finally him. We praise you. We love you. Help us to know you more deeply and pursue you this week. In Christ's name, amen. Mm -hmm.